everyone, welcome back. You're listening to Rain or Shine, the podcast that makes friendship the big deal that it really is. And today I still have Adam. Hi, yes, Adam. As always. <laughs> <laughs> but today is actually exciting because we have two guests. And guess what we're talking about? Activism. Adam is dancing, I can see I am. her. So you can talk. <laughs> I'm so excited for this one. I am. Why are you excited? Are you an activist? Well, I, I feel like I want to keep it as a surprise and then everyone will get to know why I'm so excited at the end. Like, I, I don't even need to say much. Mm, okay, okay. So I won't even say much, but to the two ladies that are with us today, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Drop it. Drop it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am also very excited. Today's exciting because we want to talk about friendship and activism, whatever your activism is. Um, how you navigate that, how, you know, friendships impact that and, you know, just how you relate with the rest of your community, you know, how they support you or how it becomes tough. I don't know, like, let me not preempt anything, but maybe let the people know you first. What yeah. should we start with? Masungu? Oh, okay. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I'm Lusungu Kalanga. I'm from Malawi. Um, what else should I say, Chifundo and Adam? Um, when you say you're from Malawi, it's good. It's good. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay that's good. I'm Lusungu from Malawi. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very excited to be on, on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining hey, us. Hey. <laughs> Um, my name is Jamma Jack. I am from the Gambia and um, it's pretty exciting to be on this side of the podcast. Usually I'm the one listening to you guys. <laughs> and Aww, so today it's really you. exciting being here and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, ladies. Adam. And you know what's great is the fact that we Lusungu and Jama have podcasts. So we are going to talk about yes. that at, at some point, I'm sure. But when we were thinking of starting this, we we're like, oh, we know people who have podcasts. And then we went and we checked out Musu and FW and we were like, okay, people are doing it. Our people are doing it. So we can. And we went into yes. it. So it's, it's just really sort of full circle moment to have the two of you on here today. It's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. People I love, love, love. Oh, and it looks like so a little mileage. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Challenge, we say a shout out to that. Yeah, I was going to give shout outs to the mileage people. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. <laughs> it's a little mileage yeah, reunion here. <laughs> I know. We can tell those that maybe don't know what mileage is so i think we talked about it in our intro episodes there's mm -hmm, a yes. fellowship in ghana yeah. um it's called the moremi initiative for women leadership in development in or something yeah. <laughs> <Human> <laughs> development <laughs> It's long. It's long. It's long, but it started like several years ago, and there's been so many cohorts. Um, Mauli and company run it, mm -hmm. um, and it's been such a very phenomenal space because once you become like once you attend, you become a part of this sisterhood mm -hmm. that has so many amazing women. And Adam and I met there. Losungu when mm -hmm. I think they. Years or a year before me, yeah, and years, Jama, true yeah. cohort you were in, but I saw her on the WhatsApp group. Then I saw her on the socials. Then I'm just like, oh my god, Jama! <laughs> then I feel like Jama is my people, but we haven't met, and it's actually the first time we have a conversation properly. <laughs> so that's my lane for you. So that's how all of us sort of are interrelated. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> 
I think yeah. only uh, not- Chifundo, I've only I've, okay, I've met you and Adam uh, in person, and you of course because you and I are also uh, very good friends and yeah. Adam, yeah. But let me tell you about Jama. Just a little digress. I've never met I've never yes. met Jama, but she's like one of my closest. So now, do you know Jama is the <laughs> one who provided all the outfits for my pre-wedding uh, events? All of them. Oh, wow. She sent all the way from wow. Gambia. And they were the right size, no adjustments. Just. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We, we had a deal to, hear to that. not talk about it. <laughs> She couldn't hold it. She I couldn't. It. I, I know she always tries to shut me up about it, but I never shut up about it. <laughs> no, but this is the beauty of it, right? Like, right from feminist movements to fashion. Like, how it cuts across everything. And I just like, this yeah. is the beauty of it all. Exactly. <laughs> and which other two people would you not want to connect when it comes to feminism? <laughs> talking about feminism and all that what are your areas of expert um not expertise but what are your areas of activism what are you guys passionate about how did you get started jama you want to go first um how did i get started very good question um so <laughs> i feel like i've said this so many times now it just become repetitive so i started at 10 um I joined this organization that was focused on um, creating a safe space before safe spaces became buzzwords, right, Um, for children and young people. So a lot of the work was around just making sure children had a space they could go to so it would distract them from vices around the society. Um, And then we had what was called a children's wing and then you had a youth wing which was for the members who were like 18 going upwards and um we did a lot of work around learning about ourselves learning about human rights but we also did a lot of advocacy around children's rights and it was the thing of children leading the work around um, children's rights in the country we also then got into um the work around hiv at the time because you know it was a big thing then uh, but we were specifically working on things around stigma and discrimination against people living with HIV. So, for, so from 10 to like 12, I was like out there in communities. I was on the media talking about these really big things. And so for me, that's really where it started. But it was also a thing of discovery or self-discovery, if you may, um, where I was coming out of the shell of this shy little girl who's always lost in the book, um, in a corner of the house, is not talking to anyone, to now this little girl who's getting on stages and is on national TV and national radio, um, talking about all of these big things. And so um, that's what the start was for me. Along the way, obviously, um, based on what I saw, based on what my um, personal experiences were and how I was now beginning to understand the world around me, also because of the reading um, I was doing, because of exposure to platforms like my lead and other networks, I had now began to develop a language of women's rights first and then a language of feminism. And um, I've naturally found myself, you know, doing this work. So I do work around women's rights, um, feminist organizing, sexual reproductive health rights, a lot of work around gender-based violence, especially um, in terms of harmful traditional practices. And um, most recently, I've been trying to focus a lot of my energy on creating space for African feminist joy. That's really where I am at now. But these are the areas that I do work in. And um, for me, it's really been about bringing my specialization in communications and um, the work and the experience I've had in human rights, women's rights, feminism, social justice, and just finding um, an intersection. So that's really where I am. I find great joy, great happiness, doing the work between bridging comms, community engagement, and social justice. That's the long answer. (laughs) Wow. I mean, talk about life's work, right? 
that's yeah. like like a lifelong journey and you say that i was like almost seeing you growing and growing on national tv as a baby then as a teenager <laughs> very like i always <laughs> tell people that yeah i always tell people that exposure to the media at a very early age is really what got mm-hmm. me on this path um with the work i'm now doing in comms and i don't think i can imagine myself doing any other work but this wow <laughs> wow this is amazing wow lusungu Oh, I was going to say, are you sure you want me to go? Or can we just listen to Jama? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, actually, I never identified as an active activist until like a few years ago. And in terms of my journey, I always tell people that I don't remember any time that I was not a feminist uh, because even from a very young age, I remember arguing with my parents, like being the one who stood between, for example, if we had um, any people in, in, in their employment and I felt like, oh, they couldn't speak to my parents about something, it would be me. I would be like, on behalf of so-and-so, I want to let you know that this is, this is what they're saying and this is what uh, you should provide you as employers, it is, and my parents were always bemused by it. And then my dad worked in international development, and I used and a lot of community mobilization work. So I would tag along some, sometimes to go to the field with him, and I would just find the whole thing fascinating. I remember for the longest time, I used to have this one phrase, which for now you know when I say it you you clinch but I used to say I want to be a voice for the voiceless so for the longest time that was my agenda in the world I was like I want to be a voice for the voiceless of course now we know that just pass on the mic everybody has a voice man just pass on the mic yeah so and and so I, through just uh, being allowed the space by my family to question things and um, and also through, you know, school, starting to interact and recognizing these like inequalities that I thought, Mm-mm, why does this why does this happen this way? Why are boys treated this way and girls treated that way? That's how I started slowly developing my consciousness. And then um, through the work that I do, I, I also used to have this phrase that say, I want to be part of the solution uh, to my communities, uh, you know, all these uh, clinch uh, phrases. But then they led me now to interacting with feminist literature, uh, looking up to women and then following on their journeys and then just, you know, finding my own voice. I feel like my lead really also, um, the fellowship helped me a lot in terms of uh, my pan-Africanism and also my African feminism. Because for a while I used to look at it, you know, with the wider, just the wider spectrum of feminism. But then identifying as a black feminist, I believe I got it got strengthened up then. And in terms of my areas, so I just happened to work in uh, kind of exactly what uh, JAMA has said, but of course it's different contexts and in different ways, right? So a lot of um, violence against women and girls, women's rights, uh, feminist organizing, and um, and particularly programming. So I have programmed for... um, girls' education for uh, school-related gender-based violence, uh, violence against women and girls in humanitarian context. And this has just perfectly aligned with my feminist journey and my feminist values. And I think I'm happiest now in uh, supporting to build like a critical mass of, um, of uh, you know, the movement of feminists who are able to do this work because we do need... Uh, we do need feminists in all aspects, right? The political arena, the programming arena, the comms arena. So just supporting, uh, especially the area of programming and feminist organizing and supporting uh, women's rights organizations to be the ones who are at the forefront doing this work is what brings me joy right now. And I wanted to also say that I have suspended the word passion or what I'm passionate about because for a long time that was used to exploit our labor for free. Like, oh, you are passionate about this, then you can do this. So for now I say, yes, if you feel that I'm passionate about it, then you know that I'll do a good job. So you need to pay 
me <laughs> the same, you know, money that is worth that passion. So that's the only time I use the passion word for now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, I was going to say that I feel your passion, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I mean, it's really it's really incredible that you guys are here and we can even have this conversation because i feel like listening to all of you it's really on one part very important work but at the same time like i can hear a lot of things that are like point, points of contention and how we engage with society because you're going counterculture to how mm. systems work, right? And families um, in communities, no matter where you are. So let alone friendships, which is what we're talking about today. And for both of you, this has been like a lifelong journey. You started in your formative years and here you are um, still at it. How, how, how has it impacted your personal spaces in terms of you know making friendships keeping friendships yeah. <laughs> interesting one <laughs> interesting one i think it's it's both ways right it's about the friends you make and the friends you lose because of um how you choose to identify what kind of work you want to do but for me especially, and I think this is relevant for a lot of the people who do this work, a lot of feminists that I know, um, our work, our existence, our being is built on a foundation of values. And so where those values are now threatened or where your relationships now begin to represent a big clash in values, um, sometimes it does trigger a, a sort of step back where you begin to ask yourself, is this a friendship I want to be? a part of still, you know, is this a friendship I want to continue? And it doesn't always mean that you throw things away because one thing also is acknowledging the fact that we're all on a journey. Um, we're all learning. Three years ago, there are certain views I held that I don't hold today. And so there's always that um, need to create space for grace and understand that um, people are learning. But there are also those instances where it's very clear to you that this is not a person that is interested in learning. Um, they're not committed to understanding things differently such that they're able to change their positions or their perspectives. And um, so for me, um, I would say I've lost quite a number of friends and relationships because of um, that clash in values. Um, and some of it is in terms of, let's say, for example, sexual violence. I can't be friends with you and then see you um, caping for a rapist. I can't be friends with you and see you doing rape apology. I can't be friends with you and see you do the whole victim blaming stuff. Like the, the, the line stops somewhere. Um, and one thing about me and my friends say is it's like, I can't pretend if it's not working, even if my mouth is not telling you, my face tells you somehow. Or my body language or the way I respond to you. And for me, I think um, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of work, just trying to keep up appearances when it's very clear to you that this is just not going to work because our values are not the same. And the flip side, obviously, is that um, I've also made some of the, the the greatest friendships, you know, because of my activism and because I've been able to find people who share common values as me. It doesn't mean that we agree on everything. A lot of people assume, like, we're always together, we're always agreeing on things, but we have some of the biggest disagreements and we're always calling one another to order. We're always holding the mirror up to one another to say, hey, you messed up here don't do this again, blah, blah. But then these are not like huge values clashes where it's like I'm all the way left and you're all the way right and there's no middle ground um, at all. So it's really just two sides of a coin for me. A bit tricky to navigate because then again, it's right at the start of making friends where sometimes, you know, there's not even that opportunity because of the perception that people have of you. Um, radical, you know, loud and blah and blah and blah. So already that creates a sort of barrier in terms of how people approach you. And all of this is usually just perception. I can't count the number of times where, 
you know, I begin to have a conversation with people. There's a sort of acquaintance, not necessarily friendship, but they're like, oh, I always thought you were mean. I always thought you were this. I always thought you were that, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And then my response is always, usually I'm always like, okay, if you were the kind of person that had made that perception and decided to stay in your corner anyway without getting to know me, I don't think you're the kind of person that I would have wanted to have as a friend anyway. But I'm glad that we are here. So it's really like the two levels. Um, there's there's friends that you've known for years and years and years and built so many memories with. Um, but then at some point, they've just got to go because we're, we're fighting for something, right? And we can't yeah. say this is who we are when in our close circles, you know, it's a completely different story. Yeah. Wow. And, and what does that typically look like? So I'm interested in sort of, not necessarily the breakup, but that shift where you move away from a friendship and be like, no, this this misalignment in values cannot work. Is there usually a conversation that precedes the final decision? Do you try to make them understand how you feel about what they are doing? Is that how what does that process look like? Unfortunately, all of the ones that I've experienced have not really involved conversations. Um, I think a lot of them have started with some form of debate. And the thing is also like um, the way I am with my personality, I'm not the type of person that has a lot of people close to me. I, I think I'm a bit <laughs> a bit too picky in terms of who I let in, you know, that close. So you realize a lot of what I am talking about as well, it's more acquaintances than they are really like friends, friends. But then these are people that, you know, you hang out with, you share certain things with, and there is a relationship. And sometimes that relationship is lost. And so um, what I've seen is certain situations where it's like, you know, there's an argument. I'm trying to get you to understand. You're trying to, you know, also get me to see what you mean, even though there's really no justification for some of some of the things that people say. Um, and then it becomes a case of, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, there's been a case where there's been a conversation. <clears throat> there, there were attempts to try and get them to see this is about people's lives. Um, this is about, you know, people's survival. You can't just dismiss it. You can't just say these things and expect that I'm going to be okay with it. These are the exact things that I'm fighting against. You do not even know if these are things that have survived, for example. So how am I going to look at you knowing that this is what your position is? Um, and then it will get down to a point where sometimes it fizzles into just a silence that doesn't end. Um, and in other cases, there's a silent agreement, you know, or a silent understanding that this is not going to work out. And we, we wish each other well. I mean, the relationship ending doesn't mean that, you know, I wish that you go to hellfire and all of that stuff, right? <laughs> it's just that, okay, I can't have you that close to me anymore. Um, we can't be in the same circles. I wish you all the best. I wish you well. Um, but yeah. it's a pretty tricky one to navigate. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Lesungu. Are you making new friends? <laughs> nope, unfortunately. <laughs> Honestly, I I feel like one of the and I think it's a conversation for I think it's a conversation for another day where I uh, where we can talk about my fear of rejection in terms of shooting shots where friendships are concerned i'm just like okay i'm too odd for this so i'm like oh this person they seem to have all their life in order they are happy i do not want to go in and bring my wahala or what <laughs> unless so i really think carefully now in terms of uh, shooting shots with friendships and also uh, yeah i guess it goes both ways but i remember in 2016, it was the first time that I had always identified as a feminist then. And um, I remember there was a news article that was done. It was a two-pager about me. I think it was for another fellowship. You know, in our 20s, there's no fellowship we didn't attend. <laughs> we were busy okay. going to the I think this was the Mandela Fellowship. So they did this feature on me and the headline was Lusungu, the youthful feminist. I think it was the first time that it, it was almost like they had um, 
they had exposed me for the first time in public. Like this is, she's a feminist because the number of phone calls that I got from people that I thought, oh, maybe not very close friends, but friends who were asking me like, so you are a feminist in a way that was not positive at all. <laughs> An accusation. Yes. An accusation. Accusatory. Like, so you are a yeah. feminist. And I think over the years I have, honestly, I have lost more friends than I have gained. And I've actually come to a place of uh, acceptance to say, if this is the path that I have chosen. And um, there are other friends that just do not, I don't want to say do not fit, but we have grown apart so much in our values and ideologies that we do not have, um, we do not have um, not anything in common, but we cannot be in, we cannot love each other in close spaces. We can love each other from afar. So I do have like friends from, um, you know, uh, different walks of life and we, we are in totally different work, but they do recognize uh, that I, for me, being a feminist, I apply my public politics to my private politics, which is also a conversation for another day, <laughs> how how we present in public and in private, right? So I have found yeah. that there are um, other friends who have found me, as Jama say, too radical. For example, issues to do with sexual and reproductive health rights. I'm openly pro-choice. I'm not anti-choice. And some people have, especially people, um, my friends who are, perhaps who are very religious have thought uh, I can, um, an extra burden uh, they, they cannot carry anymore because of those yeah. values that I speak loudly about. There can be values about yeah. my allyship with uh, marginalized groups, EDC. So depending on, because for me, I don't want us to agree on everything in, in my friendships. We don't have to, then that would be boring. I enjoy a good debate, but I do not, debate uh, people's lived experiences. I do not debate human rights. And where I see that it is that hostile and there are those conversations, uh, the safest way for me is to take myself away. There was a time when I would fight for everything, answer back online, answer back my friends in conversations, oh, yeah. be so animated. But right now, sis is tired. I just want peace, feminist joy <laughs> and enjoyment. Joy. So if you do not contribute no. to that and I do not bring that to your life, then we are, we can love each other from afar. We don't have, and I have had those conversations. Um, Unlike, unlike, um, unlike Jama, what Jama said that some of them have just ended. For me, uh, some of them have been pretty confrontational, like, uh, to say, okay, I really, I, I really feel like we cannot exist like as friends anymore we can uh, we can still care for each other but just not the friendship is no longer there because there's such a a difference in terms of our values and our beliefs so yeah it's sometimes a very lonely lonely process but also there are lots of feminist sisters around that uh, embrace you but sometimes it is a bit lonely but yeah Wow. I, I was looking at Ed and whether she wants to say something, but I, I was just actually here listening to both of you guys. It's like a lot. Um, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of things going on at the same time. Um, and I can relate to all of that <laughs> because I am, I am a feminist and it's always a shocker to people and they're like, oh, what? <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, but I, I also think I, I chose my my I choose my battles these days. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I really don't want to fight about this because it's also the things that remain afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. Like you still have to deal with um, whether it's a separation or friendship, you still have to deal with that emotion or, you know, whether it's the issue itself. Like if you like, I need to do more in this space to like, you know, should I, should I recruit more? Should I advocate more? Could I have done more? Mm. Um, and I'm thinking about both of you guys who, this is also like your work. How do you, how do you reconcile? How do you deal? How do you handle with all of these dynamics? Um, what are your, 
I don't know whether I should say strategies or coping mechanisms or thriving mechanisms or, you know, how, how are you, how, how do you handle all of this? I'm not too sure I've mastered handling it and I'm not too sure I've identified, um, coping mechanisms. Like you said, these things are difficult. Um, you, you are coming out of relationships that meant something to you and probably still mean something to you, despite the differences that have meant that um, you go your separate ways. Um, so for me, really, there's there's always that difficulty. Because again, in the age of social media, you can't really avoid people, right? Um, you get on Twitter, you're seeing stuff about them. So you can't really tune them out where it's like, no, this is not happening. And sometimes you also meet you know, physically. And that awkwardness, it's not just an awkwardness that happens in the moment. It's something you carry home with you and you're thinking, oh, if we were still cool, what would have happened? So it's a whole weight um, that lies um, on your head and your shoulders. And I think one thing also that has, the, the heaviest weight is also how people don't understand what you're doing as being difficult. So if you're the person that's doing the removal of yourself from that relationship because you feel like this is not going to work because there's that values clash, people think it's an easy thing. Oh, it, you, you treat people as disposable. Um, it's so quick for you to cut off people. It's not an easy thing to do because these are people who mean something to you. They're your friends. They're your acquaintances. They're your colleagues. They're people you've done work um, together with. So it can't be an easy thing for you, but there's always that perception that the person doing the cutting off has it easy. And the person that's been cut off is the one that's dealing with the difficult situation. And so, um, for me, in terms of coping, if anything at all, it's always going back to the root, um, and going back to the center and asking myself, why did I make this decision in the first place? Um, also because I'm not the kind of person that just jumps to decide on certain things. It's funny because I, I, I did a little small story on my WhatsApp about this a few days ago based on a tweet I saw around how, you know, I get to a certain point, I take a decision and because the decision is what people see, the assumption is that it's, it's hasty, it's on the spot. But this is a decision that I've probably over, you know, it's been in my head, it's turned around, gone down to my legs, come back up to my head for two <laughs> years before I've now arrived at the point where I decide, oh, I need to, to go ahead with this. And so sometimes I think it's why it's a bit easy because um, I know this is something that I've thought through. I know it's something that I'm comfortable with deep down in my heart. And even where it may be difficult, there's always that reminder of why I had to do it and why the reason, especially in terms of my activism, why the reason is bigger than even me. Because sometimes it goes beyond me, my personality, my values. It's really about humanity, you know, and doing what is right. So that, that forms some that, you know, it serves as some form of consolation. But also, like Lusunga said, you're losing friends, but you're also making feminist friends. Not that even within those feminist groups, there are not differences that mean, oh, I'm never talking to you again. I've had those again. Yeah. People have done yeah. amazing work with in feminist spaces. And now it's like, I'm not naming you. You're not naming me. Those mm -hmm. things happen. And it's taken some time for me to accept it as a natural, you know, occurrence that comes with growth and you know, how people see you and your visibility and how you see them. And all those things happen in terms of our politics. And maybe, again, that's a conversation for another day. But then you make those friends and they, they sort of form a, a sort of soft landing for you where mm -hmm. when you bounce, them, it, it's a reassurance that, oh, I'm not crazy for doing this. So these are people who understand where you're coming from, who don't, you know, fault you, who don't push you. Um, into that whole guilt tripping thing where you now leave with those thoughts and think, oh, I might have been wrong. I may have overreacted. So having that um, circle of friends, small or big, who affirm to you that you're doing this because of what you believe. And um, if you're okay with it deep down, you shouldn't really bother about what, you know, people are saying and how you are perceived, even though that's difficult. But yeah. That has helped me a lot, especially two feminist friends. Shout outs to Hadi and Gone, both of whom I met on social media. And people hardly believe this, 
but they're my soft landing. I can already see them listening to this and coming and making me regret saying this. <laughs> but, but in reality, like they're my sounding boards. Um, you know, we, we provide that space for each other. We hold one another accountable. Um, we have the difficult conversations, but when things get really, really hard in terms of the work that we're doing, we know these are my people. I can fall back on them and I can take a break because that's one thing we've done for one another as well in the past few years. Like, hey, you don't need to talk on this. You can keep quiet, take care of yourself, get in your space whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. And that makes a very, very big difference, especially in a society where people are always expecting you to be the loud voice when it comes to things around the work that you do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, I mean, before we even go to Lusungu's copy mechanisms, I, I wish I was taking notes, but I actually can see you. The listeners won't see you, but I'm like, they think they need to take notes, guys. Like, there's nothing like a soft landing. You eat that on, like, your hard work days when you just feel like, oh, my God, the world is caving in. Mm. You do need, like, those friends where you can just go back and they're like, no, girl, you're not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but Lusungu. How's it going for you? Oh God, I I cope by staying at home. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then that doesn't work as well, does it? We need to be. Do we need bodies on the street? We need bodies, and even if you stay at home, you are still very exposed. You're on social media. You are still on the global stage. So uh, I do agree with Jama that sometimes it's hard. I don't think there's a formula in terms of how we cope, but I also agree in terms of having those safe spaces. Right now, the way, the amount of speed that we consume information or that things come at you is so it's so fast, right? And then there are these conversations that maybe you would want to have, like you want to scream on Twitter, you want to scream on Facebook for those that are on Facebook, but then you are limited in the number of characters. You are limited in uh, how do people translate that tone. So I I also benefit a lot from coming back to myself and also uh, having those safe spaces with friends. Like I have a one particular uh, safe, um, one particular WhatsApp group where there are three of us and we only go there to discuss controversial issues, judgment-free, because it cannot be... <laughs> You cannot you cannot express it, for example, on Twitter, like in 280 characters. But on there, you can say, uh, you know what? This is what is the popular cause, uh, the popular, uh, the popular thought or the popular opinion. But I am am I allowed to think like this, or am I wrong that I'm questioning this? And there, you can be called in. You can be, you know, you can be validated. You can be held held to account uh, in a safe space where you do not um, you do not feel like you are getting a bashing, right? And I also wanted to mention uh, about the point that uh, Jama mentioned about uh, people not recognizing that sometimes the decisions that are made to say, okay, I need to walk away from this friendship. Those decisions are not easy decisions, but they are perceived as so. I was also just reflecting on the other side, right? I have been cut out by people like they've stopped being my friends when I still wanted them to be my friends because of my work because of this activist work because of this feminism work like they have decided no 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 we think you're too you're too radical but I and that is also heartbreak for me I that is also something that I have to step back and deal with as well so I wouldn't say I have found any straightforward coping mechanisms but I have really benefited from uh saving my energy and as Chifundo mentioned uh choosing my battles. What do I want to engage with? I do not have to engage in anything. And also I am not your, I'm not the call, call the angry feminist to come and comment on this or to call out this or to do this work. Just making sure that I'm preserving my energy and I'm also prioritizing myself and my care and those that I love around me. So even in friendships, I have applied the same. If I feel like, um, you we can and i i do know that it is a, it is like a, a bit of a burden for some of uh some of my friends that are not in this work when i go and 
poor on them, but I've become even more self-aware in terms of asking if they're in the right mental space to hear me rant. So like I'll write a message. I think Chifundo, maybe you have received one of those like, Asisi, can I rant? And then you're like, go ahead. And then I go, and then I pour in, I pour in, and I, I, fi- I also find comfort in that as well. Yeah. And wine. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where is, the, where is the wine gonna get a shout out? <laughs> I love how that was the last thing. It's like, okay, to put to top it off, let's have a glass. <laughs> We're gonna need more wine. Yes. Exactly. Um, but like you girls have touched on something that is actually very um very pertinent now. And which is like virtual friendships. I know a lot of us were making even more virtual friendships during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exciting to hear that, you know, um, some of those friendships are actually evolving into like some of the most special friendships you have in your lives. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about virtual friendships? Mm-hmm. First of all, you guys, because you guys haven't met, right? Yep. <laughs> And like good classic example of virtual friends, I guess. <laughs> How did we even start talking? I can't remember. Ah, I, also <laughs> I also don't remember. I think I need to go back. I need to go back. It might have been on Twitter because I think when we first engaged, it was like, oh, we are in the same WhatsApp group, and then uh and then, oh, Jama is a Melit fellow as well. And then I think we started uh, engaging a lot on Twitter. I don't remember when it moved to WhatsApp. <laughs> and Instagram. And Instagram. And yes, and going like, oh, gosh. I, I think I, I remember my earlier conversations would always be threatening you that I'll come with an empty suitcase in the Gambia. Like, let me find myself in the Gambia with my empty suitcase. I'll empty your wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have the same wish. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's, I think my lead as well for me, it's always been, even people, so I'm from the 2012 class, right? I think Mm -hmm. this was much earlier than like your classes. So I'm from the 2012 class, but also, um, yeah, also within my lead, I think when I came on, I, even after the fellowship had ended, at least in terms of the training in Ghana and all of that, I was still very much involved um, with the network in terms of doing social media, doing the blog. And, mm. you know, that also just got me connected to fellows that were not in my year, the fellows that were coming in, you know, after us. And so, but also because of what the fellowship meant for me in terms of the experience of, you know, being within that African sisterhood. Mm. Um, it's just a thing of me seeing somebody's name and seeing my lead fellow and I'm like, yes, come. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my sister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my sister. So the thing that happens around, and I think it happens to all of us, or at least most of us, where you go to a new country and you realize there's a my lead fellow there and you found, you know, a friend, you found a sister, even if this is a person that wasn't in your class. Um, so for me, that's one of the things. But in terms of my virtual friendships, now that I think about it, what has drawn me um, towards or drawn them towards me has been the, the fact that we notice one another. And so we come from, a Gam- from the Gambia, which is a small country. We're about 2 million people now. Mm-hmm. And that's big compared to where we, we were from. And on social media, it's even a smaller number. Um, I've been on Twitter for, I think, 12 years now. And all of that time I have spent doing this work, speaking up, you know, sharing my feminist thoughts. And at the time, it was just a small number of us. At some point, it was just me. And at some point, it became like this small number. And so we would notice one another and it would be a thing of, oh, this is somebody who actually shares certain values, who thinks like me, or this is somebody who would be interesting to know. Um, so for me, that's really what my virtual friendships have looked like. And mm. for a lot of the people that I call friend and sister now, to be honest, most of them I met on social media, but mm. outside of social media, our relationships are like really, really beautiful, so meaningful. Um, they bring me the greatest joy. And I, I always tell myself, I'm really just lucky that I've been able to find friendship in this space that's often, often seen as, you know, 
the whole thing where people say social media is unreal, you know, the virtual is unreal. I'm like, no, it's us. We're there. We're real people. Mm-hmm. Um, sharing real. Exactly. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like we're robots. There are no robots on there. They exist. But then it's it's real. It's all of us. So for me, there's always been that realization around how we have gravitated towards one another because we realize um, we share common values. We're working on the same causes, and it makes sense that we are together. And um, the levels, obviously, of friendship differ based on who it is. And when you now begin to get to know one another, um, where you decide these are the boundaries. Um, and this is how deep I want to go with you. But I think those things really do happen naturally. But in a nutshell, it's it's been really, really beautiful. And, you know, I'm not one to make new friends a lot. Like Lusungi, again, I'm not very outgoing in terms of making um, friends or shooting that shot at least. I think a lot of my friends really should shut the shot. And I just accepted it. I'm like, yes, come, let's do this. <laughs> but um, it's been really really beautiful and for me it really just and I think that's why also for me like when I I don't see social media as just this this far removed thing it's it's a part of our lives and every day it's becoming more and more a part of our lives and so being able to meet people on there and build beautiful friendships for me is it's it's worthwhile don't be afraid to try it (laughs) exactly I no, I I totally agree with you Jama I think uh, social media has, for me, it has even helped me helped me in my growth in terms of my feminist work, in terms of um, my values. I've uh, I've learned so much, and it's from a lot of women like you guys here from Adam Fundo. Adam, I always go to your page if I'm looking to get a new book. I always get it. I always get recommendations from your page. And CCG uh, Fundo, I I can tell uh, like, like bottomless stories. And and you, Jama, like I've been like a follower of your blog since I came across it and I don't know how many years ago that was. And I find that I think I've made a I when people say social media is not a real place, I really get upset by that because I feel like I have actually built a community. I know that there are sisters on there that are and people there that regard me as their friend. At least I regard them as my friends at that at that level, right? Many of them I have not met before, but I know that uh they will be there for me. They will check for me. Like if I I post something that seems like um I'm down, they will come. That's what it means, right? They will come. They notice me. They they ask if I'm okay. Beyond how are you? I'm good. How are you too? Sit down. Beyond that, having those conversations, having um, I have like countless voice uh voice notes from uh friends that I have never met, but we've now had conversations for the longest time. I think uh for example, Jama, we we talked. Even Adam, I've seen you uh and I have. We I've seen your writings, like your words, and we have commented on each other's stuff, right? But for the longest time, I hadn't heard your voices. Even Jama, like I hadn't heard the voice. And then when you put the voice now, it's like, okay, there's really a real person there. We are having, we are building this community together. We are, especially for this work, when we, we talk about feminist activism, I cannot imagine it uh, without uh, social media. Of course, there's something to be said about what we do on uh, online and if it translates off, offline, but I find that m- much of those voices are really patriarchal voices that try to distract because we know that as much work is happening online, uh, people are connecting online, friendships are being built as much as it's happening offline as well. And during COVID as well, I think it just amplified the importance of staying, continuing to stay connected so yeah, I'm really grateful for the virtual world and for the friendships that I have made. Um, they have definitely helped me in my growth and contributed to where I am right now. Yeah. 
See, fr- friendship stays winning, honestly. Like, I don't know how else to put this, but the, the conclusion of the whole matter is that friendship stays winning. But there's one thing I'm curious about. So we've talked a lot about sort of your activism and how it flows into friendship, right? I'm curious about the reverse, where friendship has flown into your activism. So have you had instances where the way you advocate for certain issues or even the issues you advocate for have been shaped by the friendships you have or the conversations you've had with friends or the experiences you've seen your friends go through, which have sort of woken you up or just made you more aware of certain issues and then you've lent your voice to those issues. So I just want to know if you've had experiences where it has happened the other way around. I do have some um, some friendships that I have lent uh, issues from that I have now lent my voice to. I can think of um, my allyship to some of my LGBTQI friends uh, and how that has also uh, translated into uh, how I can advocate for that. And of course, uh, learning that uh, I'm not the center, uh, learning how to be, uh, learning how to be an ally and a co-conspirator, right, uh, for those issues. And also, uh, there's this issue in the violence against women um, field right now that is coming up, and it has been, uh, and I have lent my voice to it because of some of the friendships conversations I've had uh, about restorative justice. So, for example, what does justice mean? Uh, to a survivor of violence, having conversations with some of my friends that have experienced violence or have been in abusive relationships and learning what um, beyond what we think justice means, like criminalization, um, the formal justice system, what does what does restorative justice look like? So uh, reading up on that, learning more on that, and then lending my voice to that has also come from those conversations it's an area that i was not for a for a while i was not very uh loud about but now i am because i have learned i've learned how others have experienced it and these other people happen to be my friends and have enlightened me on it i don't know if that answers uh, the question adam yes it totally does it does Jama, do you have any thoughts same. on this as well? Yeah, I think same for me. But I think also one thing, um, just so I don't repeat, because it looks like we're living parallel lives, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then for me, it's all, it's one thing I've also, um, that has, that I've taken from my friendships into my activism is the whole thing around accountability mm. um, and how it is done, especially in, in a space where everybody just wants to be seen, everybody wants to be seen as right, you know. Um, and so in my friendship groups, the accountability that happens, especially among my feminist friends, is one that gets me also thinking, how do I extend, you know, this this softness, this grace, you know, this wanting to, just making people feel like, oh, I'm going to call you in, not because I hate you, but because I actually want you to win. That's really the point I'm doing it from. And this is something that I've learned from them because in there, sometimes they can be really, really brutal. And you're like, mm. yo, no. <laughs> and I think I can be a lot more brutal even towards them because I'm always checking them, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, there's always that space that 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 it's like, I'm going to put you right i'm gonna set you right i'm gonna call you out on this nonsense you've done but i'm gonna do it in a way that doesn't get you feeling like i don't love you and um so for me that's one of the things i've carried forward but also just the thing around um you know just just coming together and doing work so with my Mm -hmm. friends we're not a part of an organization together or anything we get together think of things run an initiative bam it's done we move on to the next thing so where we see opportunities for us to come together and do the work. So I'm a come specialist. One is a lawyer. The other is a sexual health um, and rights expert. We, there's always that convergence. There's always something to do. And so for me, I find, and it, it, it comes back to the whole thing around values. And I've said this before. I'm like, if we don't share common values, there's a certain base. I don't think we can work together. I don't think the work um, will succeed. And so for me, that's those are some of the things. Because I also think it underlies friend, it underlines the, the whole issue of friendship, right? It's not just friendship for friendship's sake. There's certain things that bind you. There's certain things 
um, that form the foundation of your relationship where when it cracks or breaks, there's a certain risk that this is where it's going to lead and it's not always a pretty place. So for me, those things really, it's how um, I bring my vulnerability into my friendships. It's how I'm allowed to be vulnerable, especially as a person that's seen as strong and, you know, always vocal and there's that space where I can be vulnerable. And I also know I can bring that vulnerability even in the way I approach my work. And sometimes it looks like, oh, this is happening. The house is on fire, but I'm also mm-hmm. on fire. If I get there, it's a bigger fire. So I'm going to step back um, and let's find somebody else to throw water at it. So those are some things that I've actually taken from my friendship and what my relationships have been and how they've evolved with all of the learning that comes with being with people and learning them and understanding them and making mistakes and, you know, learning from those and bringing that into the work with a lot of compassion. Yeah. I love that. Wow. <laughs> I keep saying wow to both of you, girl. Like, it's so amazing just listening to your to just how eloquent you are when you like when you explain things and it's very clear to me and I'm like I really want to be taking notes I'm going to listen to this podcast again um and how privileged actually it is to have you guys both here um to just chat with us and share with us your your experiences yeah. and perspectives Aww. and I, I think so it sort of much. also brought the very personal parts of your work right so as we see the the hard yeah. parts the theoretical this is feminism african feminist network the movement we see a very mm-hmm. sort of structured side to it but this has brought the personal sort of back end bit of it and what goes into it so it's been very good to get that insight yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually beautiful because sometimes when you you meet your heroes in person, right? You're like, oh my god, like, no, I don't want to know that. <laughs> yeah. but actually, actually that's a conversation for another day. I was gonna ask you guys whether you have friendships in the feminist that you like, and I'm like, Mm-mm, let's not go there. Like, I just like your story and who they are now. Yeah, but no, I think for me, it's it's really special actually to hear these sides of your lives. Even Lusungu that I engage with very often, like she's very close to me. I'm still learning like new things about her and it's even more endearing. Um, but not just that, I think it's, it's also the things that you've shared just about like having this soft landing. I think that is going to stay with me, like having a soft landing, actually having friendship spaces that bring you joy that put you straight but in a very loving way that you can also go and speak your mind um and they'll help you from like put your thoughts together and present and you know go and strike um really really beautiful and and i'm happy that you will have have the 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 good sides out outweigh the tougher parts or they overshadow the tougher parts that's what i got yeah and we are going to have you for yeah. more episodes because I think Lusungu has sort of brought up like three topics where she's like, this is a conversation for another day. So the invitation has been made. Like, we don't have to say anything more. We'll just send you dates and time. And be like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been really yeah. I think even for us, it's, oh, it's also a thing of learning because these are things that sometimes you think about and there's not much of a space to even voice them. Exactly. Because of just how controversial they can be and how there's not really a space that tries to listen to it from a point of understanding it and finding solutions, but more from a point of, oh, why are they complaining? Why are they whining? Why this, that, yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to listen to the episode again. And for me, even it would be learning from my own words um, because these are just not conversations that we have all the time. A lot of the yeah. time in a space, it's always about the outcomes, the outputs, the bad, 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 you know, this is important that we talk about everything that, um, that sits at the heart of the work, which is us, right? If we're not okay, the work is not going to be okay. And if our friendships are not okay, (laughs) the work is not going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. And you are not going to be okay. And like you say, it's a big fire. 
No, amazing stuff. I, you know, I was just going to end it, but I actually wanted to just, I'm taking the conversation back. Sorry, guys. But just to reflect again on the importance of these networks that we had, these opportunities Ooh. that happened. In- <laughs> I heard you guys talk about them a lot and how opportunities are important, but they actually are. And I actually wish yes. on every younger person mm-hmm. who still has the because I personally, I mean, look at this, Adam Lusungu. Now I'm gonna be like finding jam. I have Jamas yes. number now. I can send her voice notes too. But like, it's really special. Like, you find people mm. that are like you, and you grow with them. I don't think there's anything. Yeah. It, to be honest. So if you still have time, and you know, you exactly, it, it's just exactly. Just yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> and but thank you so much. You were listening to Rain or Shine. Making friendship the big deal that it is. I uh, love I it. I love this podcast. Is. I'm a very <laughs> big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and go listen to Muso podcast. Malawian. And yeah. Malawian. Yay! <laughs> hey guys. <laughs>